What's up, everybody? It's your draft queens, Kate and Michelle. It is a very, very special day, Michelle. And I don't think you even know why. I know it's only, right now we're recording on June 3rd. Do you know what that day is? Uh, no. What what day is that? That day. Besides, is, to, besides today. Besides... <laughs> Besides today, I would like for our listeners to know that today, June 3rd, is when we've made the official decision that after this today's episode, which you'll be listening to on the 4th, we are going to be a weekly show again. I want to insert like crowd noises in the back. Like, hey, <laughs> we back. We back. We are back. We are back on our weekly cadence. Nothing has changed except you're going to get more of us in your earballs. Um, we took a nice break for the off season. I know, Michelle, we record so much when we're in football season and leading up. Uh, but we, we had a really nice couple months off. So I feel refreshed. I feel ready to go weekly again. And we've got some really exciting surprises coming up that beyond just go- going as a weekly show starting next week. So uh I think it's a big day. I know you didn't know that today was basically a DQ holiday, but it is. <laughs> DQ holiday, more DQ for all. Uh, and yes, very excited to get back in weekly. There is a lot, a lot of stuff coming up in all of sports world. But, you know, as Kate and I always say, we're ready to get into uh, football. So much more on that front coming soon. And yeah, mark it in your calendar. Send us gifts if you'd like. June third or fourth whichever you prefer is a dq holiday of when we go weekly again yes it is yes it is and speaking of holidays um we just got off of the long weekend for memorial day so how was your memorial day weekend and uh did you get hit with this ridiculous weather that we did uh yes there was lots of rain and lots of rain and then lots more rain uh but you know what we made the most of it we, we tried to get outside as much as we could. And luckily, if you were able to hang through all the way till Monday of Memorial Day, the sun did come out. I did sit by the pool and have a beer. So it did feel like the official kickoff to summer. It just took the entire weekend to get there. Literally, it took the entire weekend. I'm um, I'm glad we are, we're on the other end of it. I'm glad that uh, we, we all had time to refresh. So it really does feel like the perfect time to get back into the swing of things. Um, I will say though, after staying inside for uh, after staying inside for four straight days, other than Monday, uh, we did a lot of puzzles and we did like uh, we did little indoor activities. But one of the things that we did was trivia. And I had one good trivia question before we get into the show, Michelle, that I wanted to ask Ooh. you. Hit me. Okay. All right. So it's about the the Wanamaker Trophy. Uh, if you don't know what the Wanamaker Trophy is, it's the trophy you get for doing golf stuff. You get that if you win a golf thing, one of the <laughs> one of the majors. Um, I don't even know which one, but if you win, you get something called the Wanamaker Trophy, and it looks a lot like the Stanley Cup. And since we are leading up to the Stanley Cup right now, I have two trivia questions for you, Michelle. The first one is, which do you think is heavier, the Stanley Cup or the Wanamaker Trophy? Uh, the Stanley Cup. Ding! Yeah, that's right. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is massive. It's like a, it looks like a 10 layer cake, but it's way heavier than cake. This is such a dumb, tri- dumb trivia round. 
Okay. I was like, man, I'm not going to get these right. These are going to be really hard. All right. So got that one. <laughs> okay. You got that one. And then the second is, which do you think is more? The Stanley Cup or the average amount of cheese the uh, average American eats in a year? Oh, cheese. Cheese. Okay, you are you are two for two. You are batting a thousand. Congratulations, hey Michelle. Yo. You passed Kate's trivia challenge. <laughs> Dude, as soon as we can go back to a bar and do trivia, everyone's going to want me on their team now. I'm usually terrible at trivia, so I'm proud of myself for getting those right. I mean, it's maybe not the hardest trivia, but I wanted to ask you those today because that's what I learned over the weekend, and that's really all there is to report in terms of what we did for the weekend. I like it, and I'm glad that you have us talking about the Stanley Cup because obviously we are in full uh, playoff swing in uh, in the NHL and the NBA, which we're going to talk about more uh in the huddle which leads me to maybe we should get into the huddle which leads us to the huddle another week another huddle kate and lots of juicy headlines to get through as per usual mm, uh, love a juicy headline mm there's a lot of juice in here it is Mm. yeah there's a lot of juice I don't even want to waste any time because there's also along with all this juice there are a lot of words and for those of you that know Kate and I sometimes fumble over these words and we need to get through them fairly quickly to give you everything that's going on in 60 seconds so I do not want to waste one moment of time we have lots of words and lots of juice in this week's huddle Kate do you have your countdown ticker ready I, ha- I have you ever called it a countdown ticker before? I love that. Let's no, keep but that. I kind of like it. The count. Yeah. I don't know. I usually I like. I don't want to just call it your iPhone clock. <laughs> That's just boring. So we're gonna call it the count. Is the countdown ticker ready, Kate? The, the ticker is ready, Michelle. The ticker's ready. Get your tickers ready, everybody. <laughs> All right. Are you gonna count yourself down and read us our first headline? No. You. You're gonna count me down, and I am gonna read the first headline. All right. I'm ready. Okay, in three, two, one, huddle. We're in the thick of the NHL playoff season with eight teams left in the chase to the Stanley Cup, which also weighs less than cheese. Starting on June 8th, we've got the Islanders versus the Bruins, the Hurricanes versus the Lightning, the Avalanche versus the Golden Knights, and the Jets versus the Canadians. And speaking of playoffs, the NBA is entering their conference semifinals. In the East this Sunday, the 76ers versus the Hawks and the Nets versus the Bucks. But not before the West wraps up a couple of nail biters. We've got the Lakers versus the Suns. We've got the Mavs versus the Clippers. Uh, gosh, so much basketball to get through. So much. And also football. Ben Roethlisberger felt that taking a pay cut was, quote, necessary in order to help the Pittsburgh Steelers sign up their top talent. Interesting. Uh, celebrated coach of do du- the Duke do de- oh my god oh my <laughs> we have five no. seconds left and we stop are looking at stop looking at the ticker you're stressing me out uh, this is going to sadly be this was the worst huddle we've ever done. <laughs> 
Okay, maybe it's because I called it the countdown ticker. Also, maybe it's because there's so many words. But here's the thing. What all of you cannot see, you can only hear Kate and I, Kate, like, picks up the countdown ticker when I'm when I'm going into a headline, and it stresses the hell out of me. I'm like, oh, how much? And then I started calling the Duke Blue Devils the Book Blue Devils. Like, Whoa. I can't even get the words out. Well, okay. Damn countdown ticker. <laughs> Do you want to get through the other ones, and then we can talk about one or two of them? Yes. You you should go ahead and, and read the one after uh, the, the last one that I just badgered. Yeah, so Coach K is Sorry, retiring. Co- Sorry, we got Coach that K. far. Um, uh, 10,000 of the 80,000 unpaid volunteers at the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics, uh, will not be participating for the games opening on July 23rd, which is wild. Mm. All right. And this one's really juicy, but also like scary. Um, Virginia Tech freshman linebacker EC at today. I'm probably saying that wrong. Apologies in advance, but maybe not that sorry, uh, has been arrested and charged with second-degree murder and is being held without bond, according to the Virginia Police Department. That is, huh? Wild. That is not how I want to end. I, that's not, I don't like, I don't, oh, I don't want to end things on that. No, no, we, and luckily we don't have to end on that because uh, the last headline is that Naomi Osaka, uh, who is the now, like, legend young uh, tennis player, is withdrawing from the French Open to take some time away, quote, um, from tennis after some controversy over her media obligations. So want to start there? I mean, I've got a hot take on Naomi Osaka not doing press. Yeah, there, there is a lot to unpack in this. Uh, and before we get into that, I just urge all of our listeners to get into the NHL and the NBA playoffs. If you haven't, these games have been so exciting to watch. Um, It's getting down to the nitty gritty. So even if you're not a huge fan of either sport or your team's not in it, it's playoffs, baby. Like get in there, watch it. There's literally at least one, if not multiple games on every single night. Um, Get your fill. They're so exciting to watch. Um, I've been, I've been tuning in. It's it's sort of like the clock strike seven, and I'm like, oh, what game? What do we got? What are we putting it's on? So like, whoever's true. on, I got to watch. We're doing the same thing. And, like, tonight when we're recording, there's going to be Lakers Suns. Tomorrow when this episode drops and you all are listening, it's going to be Mavs Clippers, which is huge. And then all through the weekend, like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we have uh, just Stanley Cup, like lots of NHL. So I'm with you, Michelle. It's really – it's been fun to watch, even as, like, a – laissez-faire viewer of both sports lots and lots yes short plug for that but yes let's the 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 remaining part of this episode is in fact going to dig more into tennis so i think it is quite fitting um for us to talk about what's going on uh a bit you know around the french open and naomi osaka so uh, yeah what's what's your hot take on on naomi withdrawing Um, I mean, my feeling is that I've been equating it a little bit, and maybe this is apples and oranges, but I do think there are some similarities here. Um, I think that Naomi Osaka signed up to be an athlete. She didn't sign up to be a media personality, and she doesn't have to do press if she doesn't want to. If it stresses her out, then my feeling is, like, think of it like Beyonce not doing press, right? Beyonce doesn't do press. And, and, and nobody, nobody questions twice. Beyonce. Yeah, That's exactly. what I'm saying. So if Naomi Osaka, who is, like, the hot tennis player right now, doesn't want to do press, that's not her job, and she shouldn't have to. That's my hot take. 
boom, mic drop. That's it. I mean, I think I have to agree with you. I mean, it's it is it is un, it's this unfortunate, unnecessary evil that comes along with fame, whether that's Beyonce level as a musician, whether it's, you know, Tom Brady as an athlete, whether it's it, it, it comes up like and most of these people that enter the public forum, if you will, of entertainment, because let's face it, sports is is entertainment. You know, I'm not it, it is a form of entertainment. And and when you when you when you get to that level, it's unfortunate to see that all this other baggage comes along with it. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I I do agree with you. I think some people are wired to do press and some people are wired to be true entertainers, you know, not just not just the athlete but also the entertainer. Just like some musicians are meant to be singers but they're also entertainers, but that's not everybody. Um most of these people are are on these platforms or, you know, playing at this level because their, their focus is their craft. Their focus is their sport is their, you know, that's what they're focused on. They're not focused on being famous or giving press quotes or, or what have you. And I think it definitely gets to a lot of people like they're, they're probably introverts, like introverts that just like want to play a sport, like let them do that. 100% like and and even if they're not it's totally their prerogative and I would say like especially it's one thing I guess if we're even trying to press this topic any further but I guess it's one thing to be signed on to be part of a team franchise if you have to if you're part of your contract is to speak on behalf of the franchise like to be on the mic after a, you know, like LeBron's been storming off after these Lakers games and they're supposed to do press. I don't even necessarily agree with that, but even that sets it further apart when I think about Naomi Osaka, who is just a a person. She's not a franchise. She, She is representative of herself. She's representative of a singular craft that she does and she is her own brand. So if she doesn't want to do press, even Venus Williams, Venus doesn't do press anymore or didn't for a while. So right. I don't know why this is such a big topic that people are talking about. Someone had tweeted who's like, just well, leave the poor girl alone. Just leave her alone. I mean, it's it's a big topic because now this is forcing her to actually not play, which is completely ridiculous and unfair for her. You know, I think about this all the time. Like, if you watch... Uh, if you watch like baseball games, which clearly Kate and I do, you you watch these guys like in the locker room, like right out of the shower with 45 microphones in their faces. Like, how is that appropriate to be doing? Or I always think about, you know, the the interviews that happen like in between periods or quarters of a game or in between innings it's like no 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 guys hi they're athletes they're in the they need to focus on what they're doing they're playing a game right now like they need to focus like as a former athlete that nobody was interviewing in between the innings but but like think about your psyche when you're playing a game I mean you might be pissed off because you're losing you might be like super excited because you're like there's a thousand things that are going through your head about the game like about your task at hand which is winning your game your match, your whatever, your race. So when microphones are then shoved in your face, either in between, you know, in the midst of these games or right before or right after, honestly, that's got to fuck with you. Like, it just throws you off. And, like, that's not fair. It's literally just not fair for these athletes, like, to mentally be totally sidetracked when 
all they do is spend like all week or month or year, whatever it may be, mentally preparing for these moments. And then you totally throw them off. Now this, now she can't even play. Like there, there's a problem there. Like, you know, you, you, you've got to like get some priorities straight here. Yes. It's entertainment. Yes. We're all tuning in and watching, you know, her play, but also like just let her play and like figure out another time to do the press. Or if she just wants to do one interview or one thing, just be okay with it. Like, I don't, it's very weird that, that you could be committed to doing these things on top of just playing your sport. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I, as a parting thought before we get into talking about more tennis, but I think, um, I think that this world will hopefully change when it comes to media. There's a really traditional approach right now that I feel like is intersecting with the golden age of social media and people have control of their own voices and their own platforms. And if Naomi wanted to just speak on her Instagram live, like that would be totally fine and good. Um, But I do think the way that we treat press and, and the way it fucks with your psyche, if you have to do it all the time is uh, hopefully going to change. Like hopefully social media has some good that you can take your platform into your own hands. And if you want to speak on it, you can. Yeah, people just need to, like, chill out on the press side of things. This has been going on for, like, decades at this point. Like, the press is just, it's just too much, and there's too many forms of getting your voice out there. There's too many forms, and unfortunately, some people feel as though they need to keep up with every single one of them, and it's just not sustainable. And you're going to do that on top of what your actual, like, real job is, like, going out there and winning? I mean, it's going to throw people off. It just is. Like... Respect the game, people. Let them play. Let let the people play. Well, we will be rooting for you, Naomi Osaka, wherever you may be during the French Open. And uh, we have a lot of tennis that we're about to get into. This is our tennis episode. So uh, let's start talking about it, Michelle. Let's talk about all things tennis and Grand Slam season. All right, so Michelle, um, as it turns out, I know you are married to a tennis pro. So um, first and foremost, we will get to your husband later in this episode. First time on the <laughs> mic. Hooray. This will be fun. Um, it's a family bef- affair. Family affair. Yes, yes. We do have a true tennis pro on this podcast. So stay tuned for Mark joining us on the show in a little bit. Um, but before we do get into that, there's one thing that I feel like I needed to know before we got into this episode, and that really is like, what is a Grand Slam? Uh, I don't even know what a Grand Slam tournament is, although we did have an episode last season that talked about it as a refresher. Um, the definition that we have written down here is a Grand Slam tournament, also re- referred to as the Majors, are the world's four most important annual tennis events. The tournaments offer the most ranking points, prize money, public and media attention, and the greatest strength and size of field, and a greater number of, quote, best of sets for men, which is five. All of that makes sense to me. 
sounds a lot again like as the resident golf expert over here sounds a lot like golf um well it there's definitely similarities i mean the 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 thing here is like the four tournaments that we're going to talk about on on this episode you know are sort of the cream of the crop it doesn't mean that there aren't like a ton of other you know tournaments and 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 championships that are happening throughout the year throughout the world um but they don't carry as much weight. They don't pay as much money. And for a lot of them, as you just said, the men and the women play a best of three versus in a major, the men actually play best of five. Now, I could go into another 45-minute episode about how I think maybe the women should also play best of five or they should all play best of three, but I will save my my female soapbox moment um, for, for the moment just so we can, you know, talk through what these mean, what they are. But you're, you're not wrong. It's not very dissimilar from what we talked about on golf episodes and why certain tournaments are on TV and everybody cares and certain ones nobody even talks about, you know? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Well, there there are four of them. So there's... We have the Australian Open, French Open, U.S. Open, and Wimbledon. Uh, I can only really speak to one of these, which is the U.S. Open, because I've been to it. But aside from that, I have very limited knowledge. So as our resident tennis expert, Michelle, walk us through what these are. What is the differentiators between these four Grand Slam tournaments? All right, so we'll we'll walk you through it sort of on the calendar year so that you kind of know when all of these these fall. Um, and there, the key differentiator between most of them is the surface in which the the sport is actually played on. But we'll talk about that as well. Uh, the Grand Slam season kicks off uh, typically in in January or February. Uh, <laughs> Please, please mind COVID, which means all dates and things have moved around. However, the, the season is generally kicked off uh, with the Australian Open, uh, which happens down in Melbourne. Um, it's the first of the year. It's the first of the four, as I mentioned, um, and we'll get into the, the, the three others that come after it. Um, it was founded in 1905. Uh, so it actually, now that I'm looking at it, it, it's actually the one that came into existence the latest. The three others that we'll talk about um, have been around for uh, a bit longer. Um, and it kickstarts uh, Grand Slam tennis events. When it first started, it was played on grass outdoors. Um, and as of 1988, they actually changed it over. And instead of playing on a grass court, they play on a hard court. So uh, the Australian Open is notorious for a very bright, bright blue court as well. Fun fact, oh, um, if you didn't notice. It's like, it's a very, very bright blue court. It kicks off the, uh, the season. And uh, the prize money, because this is always a fun thing to talk about, the prize money as of 2020 was a cool $71 million. It's fine. No yeah. big deal. I, I, I don't no deal. really I don't know conversion rates, but I would I would just go ahead and guess that that's a lot of money in Australian dollars. Uh, as it's a it lot would of zeros, I, I can tell you that much. Yeah, a lot, that's a lot. a lot of zeros. That's a lot of cheddar. So we start the season, Australian Open in Melbourne, down under, first Grand Slam of the year. Then we move to the French Open, which we're currently in French Open season right now. Uh, yes. As it sounds, it is played 
in France, uh, hence the French Open, uh, also known as Roland Garros. Um, there, if you if you happen to see that uh, either on the courts, on TV, if people are talking about it, Roland Garros is the same as the French Open. Um, they start playing this in late May each year. So as I said, we are in the midst of it um, right now. And the tournament and the venue... Uh, are named after French aviator Roland Garros. So if you're wondering why you see that or what that is, there you go. So a lot of people, you know, it's it's a very legendary place to to play, and a lot of people often reference it by Roland Garros versus um, the French Open. So now maybe that's a little something that you did learn about tennis today, Kate. I, I didn't know that, and I also would be yeah, it's like Amelia Earhart Stadium, basically. Or open <laughs> there stadium? You go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there cool. you go. Cool. That's uh, really cool. This one was founded in 1891, so a bit older than uh, the Australian Open. Um, as mentioned, it's played in France. And when it first started in 1891, it was played on sand outdoor. I can't even imagine playing on sand. That I'm sounds not horrible. sure I've horrible. ever even heard of that in, in tennis. However, uh, from 1908 till present day, they play on clay. That clay is red. I don't know why I'm associating these all with colors. The Australian Open, really blue hard court. And then when you think of the French Open, it is very red clay courts that they play on. The only yeah. one that's played on clay court. I um, The only thing that I can really reference this back to that I think you'll have played this game before, but the only thing I can reference is Mario Tennis. And you could play... <laughs> with different players on different types of courts. And I just remember, I remember that the clay court was like such a bitch because you couldn't get used you to sl- the bounciness. You slide. Yeah. You slide. Oh, I don't know. I've no I don't know, but clearly there was a difference in my video game. So probably I would assume in real life where it's not a simulation that it would be harder. Well, I mean, think about it this way. So hard courts, the the ball is going to bounce a lot more. It's also, it's also, it's a hard court. There's no sliding around. It's much more like, uh, you know, tough on your, your feet, your ankles, your knees, you know, it's, it's tough. Like when you're moving around as fast as these, as these athletes are back and forth, when you move over to clay, there's sort of an art of the slide because the clay gives you a little bit more play underneath your feet and if you watch these tournaments you'll see a very different type of play in the french open um and wimbledon which we'll we'll talk about um but you know on a clay court there's a little bit more give which means there's a little bit more slide but a slide is definitely challenging um for a for a novice tennis player obviously these folks playing at uh, grand slam level they're used to it but it's a very very different way of playing um on clay courts yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so we are in the midst of this one, obviously. It's happening right now. And the what I always find interesting about these Opens, if you are tuning into the French Open right now, it runs from May 24th to June 13th. So these are always long tournaments. And I always forget that between singles, women's singles, men's singles, men's doubles, women's doubles, et cetera, et cetera, there's so many matches to be played. So anyway, I just, I, I do find that one interesting. But with that in mind, we then have, we then have next in uh, chronological order throughout the year, the US Open. And this is the one, this is the one that I've been to. So it makes the most sense to me in theory 
but uh or or in practice actually because i've i've seen it happen but what are the what makes this special michelle Honestly, I think that what makes this one special is the fact that it's in New York. I think, again, this one's played on a hard court. Um, they were first played in August of 1881. Uh, it's it's headquartered in Queens, uh, and they play what is now called, um, you know, the Billie Jean uh, King National Tennis Center, which is amazing. Honestly, Kate, I think what makes this one the most difference is New York and the fans and the surrounding. I mean, tennis in it, tennis, again, very similar to golf. It's usually a very polite sport. There's not like a lot of rowdiness and yelling and, you know, w- what have you. Um, but I think once these athletes get to New York and they get a little taste of New York fans, shit just gets a little crazy. Like every every um, athlete that is interviewed during the U.S. Open, that's what they say. They're Like it's a hard court, which is exactly the same as what we talked about at the Australian Open. But there's something about the electricity of New York City and the people there. Um, maybe it's the first one. And and because it's the only one that they're playing like in the States, you know, all these others are happening outside of the United States. But but this one definitely has, you know, a, a high uh, energy level. They play late into the nights. Um, and uh, it's always just a really big, exciting, you know, weekend in, uh, in June in New York. So I, I, I'm guessing that's the difference because of the other things that we're talking about, what type of court they're playing on, etc. It's not very different from the Australian Open on paper, um, but I, I think it happens to just be coming into the States and coming to the best city in the world. I think that is probably true. And and there is, I'm sure this happens in France. I'm sure this happens in Australia. But the one time I was at the US Open, I can attest to it being rowdy. Like it is a little bit daunting to play on that stage in, in the main court at Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. And uh, they probably, when I was there for one night, called out like 15 different uh, celebrities who are in the crowd. So across the board, like I sat next to across the row from Tiki Barber, or I still don't know if it was Tiki or which or Barber. Rande. Yeah, I don't know which <laughs> Barber brother it was. I, I always say it's Tiki because I'd love to see a New York giant. Um, but it is a, it's a rowdy one and it was fun. We had such a blast. That is a great, great tournament. So that one is super fun. Anyone that's listening that is a New Yorker, you should go. It is so entertaining. There's food, there's drinks, there's games, there's tennis, there's all of the above. It is such a blast. Um, Go check that one out. That happens in June. And then to round it out, so, uh, you know, know, May, June, July is very busy for these players that are are playing in these tournaments. Um, From the U.S. Open that wraps, you know, in June, uh, they head across the pond. um, And at the end of June, there is the championships Wimbledon, which is more commonly just known as Wimbledon. Um, This is the oldest tennis, oldest tennis, oh my, tennis. Oh my God. Tennis? Tennis tournament? What's that? New sport alert, tennis. The oldest tennis tournament in the world and is often regarded as the most prestigious. Why? Probably because it's played in the United Kingdom, probably because the Queen, probably because everybody wears white. It is very, very formal. It is very polite. Um, It was founded in 1877. So as I said, this is actually the oldest one. Um, And this one is the only one played on grass. So similar to what I was saying uh, about the the style of play, 
uh, for the French Open on clay. You know, grass is is a pretty fast game as well. Um, it's it, it is. It feels much more like traditional old world tennis uh, more so than I think, you know, some of the other tournaments do. So um, that one happens uh, at the uh, end of June going into July. Um, there's been some epic matches. And I mean, as you can imagine, if you're one of these athletes, you've now, you know, played three of these big tournaments in a row. Like you get to Wimbledon. There's usually a lot of just insane, like long matches. It's it's people just like gutting it out all the way till the end, you know, of Grand Slam season, which is always really exciting. So this is the tournament, though, where I always see, like, uh, Prince William and Kate, you know, like Kate Middleton just sitting there quietly, and they're all quietly, like, super yes. dressed up. That one is, I mean, maybe I'm just too much fun, but that one seems like a snooze. I'm like, let's get amped up, everybody. But it, but you're right. It is like, there. It, obviously, it's Wimbledon. It is the oldest and... Uh, arguably most coveted tournament. So I can understand why they're preserving that like uh, London aura type thing. Everything about it just has, yeah, like the players wear white. Like it's just, there. there's just that old tennis country club vibe to it that is very starkly different from what we were just talking about, you know, in New York for the US Open. So I think you really hit like four very different, you know, Different locations, different types of courts, you know, with the exception of uh, Australian and, and the U.S. Open, um, you know, different kinds of crowds and things of that nature. But uh, but those are the four those are the four big ones in it for the for the grant the four Grand Slams, four majors. OK, and so now, Michelle, that you have given us a full rundown of what the four majors are for Grand Slam tournament season, I would be curious if we take a little look back in time just to know who the most notable players have been and who we should be watching out for in that case. Anyone that you would recommend? Well, I will say, you know, on the men's side of things, it's the very familiar three names that you've heard for probably the better half of the last 10 years. Um, But Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal are tied with the most career title um, wins, 20 apiece. Uh, Novak Djokovic is, uh, is hot on their tails with 18. Um, so look, you've been hearing those guys' names for many, many years. They're honestly still at the top of their game in many ways, which is, which is insane. That's wild. Um, and they, it's wild. They, they sit at the, the top, uh, in terms of, you know, career titles. Um, and you know what, honestly, everyone else that trails them are guys that just don't even play anymore. So these, these younger guys really need to, uh, start stepping up. No one, no one's even in the same, you know, realm as, uh, Roger, Rafa and, and Novak right now. Um, and on the women's side, uh, you know, actually a little bit of a different story. So on the women's side, uh, the most women singles, uh, career wins, um, is Margaret Court, uh, with 24, uh, funnily enough, you probably thought I was going to say Serena Williams, but I didn't. Um, she's at 23, so she actually doesn't have the most, um, which is kind of crazy. And I'm sure we'll see that change before yeah. she retires. I would, ima- I would imagine. Um, and then right behind her is is the is the beloved Steffi Graf, who has um, you know 22. So again, like it, it, for the men, the, the the three that sit at the top are still playing. 
Um, for the women, the three that are at the top, only Serena is playing currently. And, you know, we'll see how many more years, you know, she has. But again, there's uh, there's plenty of room for the younger class of men and women to, uh, you know, start making some runs to catch up to some of the greats. That is really, really cool. I will look forward to watching some of the sleepers, considering that the only of the top three who's playing right now is Serena. So I'll be excited to watch some of the newbies. And hopefully we see more of the Naomi's of the world come come play the sport. Exactly. All right. So now that we've walked you through all the the major tennis tournaments and we've given you some water cooler talk of who has won the most, uh, I'm going to flip it over to my husband, the tennis pro, to give you five more tennis facts. Hey there, Draft Queens listeners. This is Mark from Catskills Tennis, and I'm so pumped to be on the show today. I'm a big fan of the podcast, huge fantasy football player, too. Uh, I'm a commissioner of my league and I absolutely love what you ladies are doing on the podcast. I can't get enough of the content that you have on your Instagram. Uh, great stuff. I'm thrilled to be on the show and I hope I can drop some tennis knowledge on the listeners that are out there. So in the game of tennis, of course, there are forehands, backhands, serves. You guys know all that stuff. Here are my top five facts and figures that you may not know. Number one. Which tennis player has earned the most prize money in their career? Not Rafa, not Serena Williams, not Roger Federer. Novak Djokovic has earned a whopping $147.7 million, and he's still going. Guy's a baller. Number two, what is the longest match ever played? In 2010, Nicholas Mahout played John Isner in a match at Wimbledon that was played over three days. Isner ended up winning 70 to 68 in the fifth set. There are no tiebreakers in Wimbledon for the fifth set. And the total match time was 11 hours and five minutes. Congrats to John. Really sucks to lose that one. Number three, which tennis player, female tennis player, has been number one in the world the longest? A few years back, Steffi Graf held this number one spot for 377 weeks. Do the math. That's over seven years. That's crazy. Number four, what is the fastest serve ever recorded? The ATP Tour has recorded fast serve by John Isner. Yep, same guy from the longest match. He served the tennis ball 157.2 miles an hour. But wait, there's a little controversy. At a challenger level tournament, not the top tier of the pro tennis circuit, Sam Groth served one 163.4 miles an hour. I'll let you guys decide which record should stand. And finally, number five, the coolest place in the tennis world, in my opinion, uh, holds a ton of history of the sport, some great interactive stuff. Uh, where is the International Tennis Hall of Fame located? In the small state of Rhode Island, of course. Go check out Newport, brush up on your tennis knowledge, maybe try your luck on the grass courts that are there, just like Wimbledon. So that wraps up my top five facts and figures for this tennis episode of Draft Queens. Thanks so much for having me on the show, ladies. Ton of fun, and hope to see you on the court soon. All right. Thanks, babe. I think that brings us to the end of the episode now. Yeah, thanks, babe. Well, we're happy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks for coming on, Mark. No, we love you. Thank you for joining the show today and for flexing all of your amazing tennis pro knowledge. We need more facts dropped, so maybe this will be like our reoccurring special guest for all sorts of things <laughs> tennis related. But as always, it has been so much fun talking to all of you and coming to your earballs. Like we said at the top of this episode, remember, we are coming back to you weekly and we'll have some surprises coming to you in the next couple of weeks. So do not forget to tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We are in your earballs from here on out. Um, If you don't already follow us on wherever you get your podcasts, please click follow or subscribe and you can find us on social media to chat about any of these amazing facts that Mark just spit or any grand slam knowledge that we know or Michelle knows or if you want to talk you know even about Naomi Osaka we're here for you at the draft queens on Instagram and at the underscore draft queens on Twitter it's us in the flesh come talk to us but um Michelle I think that brings us to the end of this episode and uh next week we're going back to basics for the foreseeable future we are talking football 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 all summer long so you don't want to miss it come see us next week and thanks for tuning in bye game set match